This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, today's guest is Tom Higginson, lead vocalist and guitarist for the Chicago, Illinois rock band, The Plain White Tees. Together we break down their mega smash hit, Hey There Delilah, taken from their 2005 album, All That We Needed. Talk about worlds colliding, I have a long history with the production team for this album, Ariel Reichscheid and Lauren Israel. Ariel used to play in the Southern California ska punk band The Hippos, and Lauren used to be a scout at Capitol Records, who brought less than Jake to the attention of the higher-ups at the label. Sean O'Keefe also worked on the track, producing the string and cello sections for the song. Sean mixed a Less Than Jake record back in the day as well. I wasn't too surprised to hear from Tom that the song was written very quickly, and initially there wasn't much more thought behind the song. The story behind the track is fascinating on a number of levels, and Tom shares an awesome story about a fan from Italy who cried the very first time she heard it without understanding one lyric within the song. This track is about as honest and real as it gets from a singer-songwriter perspective, and I feel the song is truly timeless. For all this and a whole lot more, stay tuned. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? podcast tom what's happening what's up chris good to be here man good to see you so uh where where are you tuning in from right now well okay so right now i've actually got a crazy week ahead of me i know this is going to air much later but uh right now i'm in chicago that's where home base is for me and and the rest of the guys in plain white tees actually some guys are, are kind of in la now and stuff but anyway i'm in chicago next in about three days we're going to nashville we're going to be doing some recording in Nashville with Plain White Tees, <clears throat> which is very exciting. And then from Nashville, I'm going to New York for one night to see that band 100 Gex. Have you heard them yet? I have not. Dude, no. it's the craziest new shit. I'm so, they're like my obsession right now. They're so good. No, 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 no. Anything about me, 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 me. Anything about me. And then I'm going to LA for one day to record a quick song with my side project TLB. Uh, and then I'm back in Chicago for you know, the rest of the, the holidays and everything. So I've got like the crate, like, you know, we've been pretty much, you know, in one place for the past year and a half. And this coming week, I'll be in like three cities in four days. It's going to be crazy. You're making up for lost time. You <laughs> exactly. <know? laughs> right. Got to get it all in there now. 
<laughs> right on. So, uh, the, you know, you guys are from uh, formed as a trio in 97 in, in Lombard, Illinois. The band started out playing uh, local punk shows in Chicago and began to establish itself in the scene. And your debut album, Come On Over, arrived in 2000. Uh, you self-financed your full-length album, Stop, that was released in 2002 and attracted the attention of Fearless Records. And in 2005, you guys released All That We Needed, which was the first studio album with a reformed lineup. The album featured Hey There, Delilah, the song we are going to break down today. And the album was produced by uh, Ariel Reichscheid, which uh, it's so crazy to me, his career career where that oh, yeah. guy has went i mean he was just the guitar player singer for the hippos this right you know scott punk band from southern california where we're le- you know less than jake had met him as, as a young kid uh and the album was also co-produced by lauren israel which again worlds colliding here lauren was the scout that brought less than jake to Capitol records back in the day yeah i kind of <laughs> want to talk about that because always back in the day when we were working with lauren he would talk about you guys and Jimmy Eat World. Those were like his two really big, yeah. you know, successful bands that he kind of developed or discovered or whatever. And so, yeah, I, Lauren, I mean, I, don't, I feel like everybody eventually like fires Lauren or like can't deal with them anymore. <laughs> but man, that guy was really, really special and important to me early on, you know, kind of for that, like, like I said, developing bands and discovering new talent, like, I've never met anybody as good as him, even through all these years. How about do you? How what's your uh, oh, what's your, no, I, your vibe? Yeah, Tom, I have the same take on on Lauren. He's just uh, you know eats, breathes, and sleeps music. Just a music lover. Um, gets in there. Uh, he champions a band to the nth degree. He 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 runs it as you know as far as he can, and uh, and he's awesome. He was uh, really pivotal in, in getting my career going. Which when I was digging into this song and I saw his name, him and Ariel, I was like, you got to be kidding <laughs> kidding me here. You know, uh, I noticed though that uh, Hey There Delilah was produced by Ariel and Sean O'Keefe is credited. Which again, worlds colliding. Sean uh, mixed the less than Jake B is for B-Sides album that came out oh, in no 2004. Kidding. Of course, he's done a bunch of other stuff, Fall Out Boy, uh, yeah. and, you know, and all kinds of all kinds of other projects. But um, so Sean was brought in uh, as an extra for just that track. How did that happen? So basically, yeah, obviously Sean's a Chicago guy. So we knew yeah. Sean. He worked with, you know, Fall Out Boy, who we were buddies with. And he also worked with, I, I mentioned, well, I guess I didn't mention on the podcast, but talking to the producer, Chris, I mentioned Damar, our drummer. He was in a band called Knockout. And they actually did, that was one of Sean O'Keefe's first records he ever made was for, with, with Knockout. So Damar knew him, uh, had worked with him before. We knew him just from being around Chicago. And so, yeah, so we made Hey There Delilah. We produced it up with Ariel. But it was just on that record, all that we needed, it was just an acoustic and a vocal. Uh, you know, it was very, we kept it very stripped down. And right. Fearless, after the song kind of started getting popular, this is before, of course, radio and all that stuff, Fearless wanted to do a music video for it because it was kind of, you know, it was like on the front page of MySpace and it was like kind of you yeah. know, seeing all this traction on a very, very grassroots uh, indie level. And so uh, Fearless wanted to make a music video of, of that song. Actually, I shouldn't say that. We polled our MySpace fans, and we said, what song do you want to see us do our next video for? And it was like 96%, hey there, Delilah, everybody voted for that song. So so we kind of thought like it'd be fun to, you know, kind of add a little bit of production to the song. So we went in with Sean in Chicago. It was actually just me and Sean. 
and uh, he hired this amazing cello cellist. Real quick, not to interrupt you, that's where that came in. I was wondering if if Sean had a hand in that, which I, no disrespect to Sean, I thought that was odd. I figured you were out in L.A. with some symphony or, or you know, <laughs> the, uh, so this was after the fact, of course, and that track was a bonus track on the next album, Every Second Counts. Is that correct? Exactly, but the same exact version. So, yeah, so Sean did uh he brought this cello player in who was actually it was just one all those strings you hear on delilah is just one guy and wow. um he's actually the same guy that played cello on uh tonight tonight by the smashing pumpkins oh, so he's like a, just a, awesome a baller local chicago dude he was like smoking a cigarette just fucking jamming and stuff it was really cool wow. and and then we added a little bit of organ and uh, I added a little bit of like a harmony in like the bridge or something. And right. that's it. And then Sean actually mixed the version that you hear. That's the radio version. So, yeah. so that, that version we did, uh, you know, obviously Ariel, like I said, all he really did was we recorded the acoustic and the vocal. But man, he really like, like I sang that thing like eight times. I tried to sing it shitty because I made the, de I don't know. I don't know how far we want to go into the... Uh, oh, we want to go. We want to go far. I'm going to talk about the demo. So where where was the demo? Because I, I got to be honest, I love this uh, the version with the, with the cello and the strings and everything. It's great. I love the harmony you did. But there's something to be said about the just the way that the guitar and vocal only hits you. It's so personal. It feels like you're just sitting across from, from you playing <laughs> the guitar and singing. It's, it, it's great. Yeah, well, thank you. So, yeah, so... Real quick, yeah, I'll go back way back to the yeah to the demo. Um, yeah, like basically, I was I borrowed a buddy of mine. Uh, actually, he's in a band, One Life, who I'm working with on my. I got a little record label going, and his band is on my label now. So it's a weird full circle moment. But you know, go back twenty years basically at this point, and I borrowed my buddy's eight track. It was like a digital eight track. Because all I really knew how to work was a four track. That's all I ever had. <laughs> so and you were getting fancy here with the eight tracks. <laughs> I know. It's, you know, <laughs> moving up in the world. Uh, but so all the early tease stuff, I actually, I played drums and stuff too. So all the demos, like I would just do on my own and then like present them to the guys, you know? And so I was uh, making demos for all that we needed. And I had like, I don't know, I forget what it was, 12 songs or something written and so I literally borrowed my buddy's eight track so I could lay it all down. And in one day I recorded 12 songs and, you know, full on drums, guitar, bass, vocals, harmonies and everything. And at the end of the day, at like two in the morning, I get to Hey There Delilah. So I, I played, do the acoustic track and then I sing Hey There Delilah. And at this point I've already, I've been singing all day long. I'm tired. And literally, my voice is just shot. And so the demo, it's all, you know, you know, it's like raspy as hell. And even <laughs> the bridge wasn't quite finished at that point. Like, I didn't have the last line. So the last line of the bridge was, uh, you know, it's just like a throwaway, just a goofy lyric. But everybody loved they were like holy shit dude your voice sounds so awesome on this and it's so like you said it, there's something about it that's just very very honest and very believable and very like i'm right there with you you know and so when we got to record it in the studio with ariel he also loved the demo and the vibe of it so we uh we were actually 
sleeping in the studio a lot of the times because we like we're like broke and you know we had air mattresses in the studio like in the in the live room on the floor and um so the night like we we did hey there delilah the vocals uh, i don't know this again i'm making the long story long here but i i love it keep, keep so it going keep it going we, we had tickets to go see it was we went to see two movies dirt when we were making all that we needed at the arc light in hollywood uh, we went to see Clockwork Orange and we went to see Kill Bill. The very first Kill Bill came out in theaters right then. So I forget which one it was, but we had tickets to one of those movies and we were like, we were working all day and it was like, shit, we got to go freaking, we got to leave soon to go see this movie. And it was like, oh, why don't we just do the acoustic for Hey There Delilah real quick? And it was like, oh, okay, fine. Set up, literally did like two passes of it and we just fucking didn't even listen to it. We left to go catch this movie. And so that's how, you know, how much effort was put into the, uh, the guitar of Hater Delilah. Luckily it was all written with all those parts and everything, but yeah. then for the vocals, yeah, it was like, cool. We wanted to have that raspy, you know, feel that the demo had. So literally I woke up, you know, like I said, we're sleeping in the studio. So I woke up, literally rolled out of, off my air mattress and like, sang like first thing in the morning without having coffee without having even drinking water or anything we wanted it to be really just shitty and raspy and and you know kind of just crazy sounding and i i did like eight or nine takes maybe it was even like 12 takes i forget but he just ran the song and i did i just sang it over and over again and yeah my voice probably getting worse and worse because just no water or anything and yeah, that was it. And then he, a few weeks later, had comped it and sent us the, uh, you know, the comp of it that that he put together. And I honestly, I think I might have like welled up a little bit because I was like, holy fuck, he like, he nailed it. It sounded so cool. And so, uh, yeah, it's like you said, just so raw and honest. So well, so, yeah. a, a couple a couple things here. So for for the listeners, uh, when, when Tom said, uh, you know, Ariel had comped at the producer, he had taken the twelve times he sang it and basically went through and picked the picked the parts that were usable and great. Two things, I f- thought you were going to say he actually lifted the demo vocal and put it ah. on the track. The <laughs> other thing with this song, it felt like almost that it was cut live, like you were playing guitar and singing at the same time. I'm surprised to hear that the vocal was cut after the guitar was played. This felt like, a, again, it feels so personal, and it almost seems like this song would be hard to play without singing. When I picked up the guitar and I'm playing along with it, it seems like you'd want to sing with it, if that you makes know, sense. You know what's so funny is it took me a while because I'm, you know, unashamedly not a very good guitar player like you know i can get by but i'm more of just like a rhythm guy so yeah when i first was writing that song it was kind of hard to like play it and sing it at the same time you know Mm -hmm. so at that time recording it i don't know i guess i'd done the demo uh in pieces as well you know i just played the guitar first and then like i said i've been making demos for the tees forever just playing one instrument at a time so I'm just kind of used to like doing it that way. So yeah, so definitely just laid down the guitar and then a few days later did the vocal. So, you know, you had mentioned that you got the comp back and you listened to it and you said you kind of teared up a little bit. Did you or uh, Ariel or anybody, Lauren, did you know it was a hit? Did you know you had something special on your hands? Not a chance. I mean, we knew we had something good, you know? We knew that this was good. We knew that people would... Well, I guess we didn't know shit, to be honest with you. But (laughs) I thought, you know, from from the even writing the song, 
even like the shitty demo with the vocals that weren't even finished, like people were like, like, you know, our, our group of friends and stuff were like, this song is really like, like, dude, this like, of course they're like our friends and they love everything we do. But it was like a thing where it was like, whoa, this one, you know, it was kind of like everybody just kind of, kind of gravitated to that. A couple of our buddies, one of my buddies, who's like not a music guy at all. He was like, you better be ready to play this song every day for the rest of your life. The first time he heard it. So it was like, he, he, you know, it, he was right. Yeah, no shit. I mean, little did, <laughs> and my grandpa also, when he heard it also said, this sounds like a hit and also not a music guy at all, but just like, he could he could hear it, you know. I have total um, goose total goosebumps right now. You telling me that story, it is so awesome, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you I'll tell you why. You know, in my circles, you guys were always revered. The band Plain White T's, great band, great songs. You kind of were pop, kind of rock, had some punk elements. You know, you're from Chicago. You played with every band that that, that I've ever ran with. <laughs> and the first time I heard this song, I was like, "What? I mean, this was such." a step out from what you were known for. I mean, this was just an uh, an unbelievable composition that, that I heard. Again, it, something so personal. It, it's folky, but uh, I'm going to use the word grown up. I hate saying mature, but I mean, this was just, this was, this was next level f for your band. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it was no different than the other ones when I was writing, you know, writing it was just along with all the other songs, you know, it's just another yeah. song I wrote. But yeah, I don't know what the fuck. I wish I knew what that magic ingredient or like what I, you know, what I was drinking that day or, you know, whatever the hell it was. I mean, you know, because you can say like, oh, is, uh, of course, a lot of people ask through the years, is Delilah a real girl and all that stuff? And she totally is, but she was just some random girl that I kind of met one night and like thought was really cute. So I wanted to write her a song. You know what I mean? It was like nothing like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like you meet a girl, like, a, like, like a lover, like a lover broke your heart or something. Right. It or... wasn't like anything deep. It was just literally like the smallest little interaction, but like it was that right. Like I had the guitar part of Hey There Delilah. I was actually trying to figure out there's a red hot chili pepper song called Cabrone. that one and it's just this and i was like messing around with it and i just totally like you know again i'm not a great guitar player so i was trying to just mess with the chords and i like hit the wrong chord like that second chord of delilah was like an accident and i was like oh wait that kind of sounds cool and so then i just kind of made my own little part and it was like oh this is nice and i just had that kind of like sitting around for a couple of weeks and then when i had met delilah and we had kind of joked back and forth and she was, she kept asking me because I, I made a, a joke that I had a song about her when I met her. And <laughs> she, so she kept hitting me up like, where's my song? When do I get to hear my song? So then I'm like, huh, I should take that guitar part and mess around with it and see if it works. And literally I just started playing it. And like the first 
lyric that just rolled, you know, I mean, sometimes it just fucking comes out, you know, like yep. you don't think about it at all. And so that whole first verse, like basically through the chorus was just like, like just fell out of my mouth. Like it was just cause she, I didn't know anything about the girl. I only met her once. I knew she went to school in New York city and that she was pretty. That was it. You know? So it was like, that that stuff came out just supernatural. It was just the first thing I thought of. Isn't that cool that we sometimes speak in tongues as musicians? Like stuff comes Dude. out of us. You're like, where the hell did that come from? Is that <laughs> totally. buried in my subconscious? How did I get that? And those the, those moments f- for me are few and far between. I'm like, oh, how yeah. can I capture? How can I capture that? And when you do, it's such a cool little uh, little thing. Yeah, I mean, normally, right? You're you're kind of like, I don't know, just just sweating over it and just thinking overthinking every lyric, you know and it was like yeah you're right in this case it was just like like wow where the hell did that come from you know but then once i got to that first chorus it was like okay well shit i know nothing about this girl so like <laughs> what the hell and i'm and i knew that like this sounds really cool this first verse like i think i'm onto something here but like now what the hell do i do you know i've pretty much exhausted everything i know about this girl you know, we don't have this relationship that I'm kind of singing about in the song. So then I basically took my time over the next few months, like literally like in the shower, I'm thinking about lyrics, you know, driving around thinking about lyrics and just kind of wrote the rest of like, okay, I've set this up as like long distance relationship. Like if I was with somebody in that situation and that was far away that I couldn't be with, you know, at this point in my life, what would I say to them? And that's just how I wrote the rest of the song. That That's awesome. No, I was going to say a moment ago that you, when you mentioned your grandfather, that would almost be a gauge for me as a real young songwriter. I go, ooh, gran- my parents and my grandpa like it? Nah, I, I'm, I'm going to scrap this one. <laughs> but, the, but the fact that your grandfather, I mean, this song is universal to to a, a, a newborn young child to a hundred year old person. It, it is, it is digestible in that way, but not from a standpoint. There's sometimes you write songs like that. It's like, Oh, that's their sellout song. Or that's just a, you know, they were trying to be cute here, but there's just something real and honest about this that just can appeal to anybody. I think that's, that's some of the magic and, and the allure of the track. Um, the song is three minutes and 52 seconds. I, I don't know if this is an actual term in music, but the guitar I wrote down that that it's pedaling throughout the song. You know, it's just kind of when I say pedaling, it's it's basically your two fingers that are that are picking this thing. And I'll tell you, I got through the first verse. Uh, I, I was I was playing it, and I actually went on YouTube and looked at a tutorial on how to play it. And I'm I'm going okay. And then after that, I was like, okay, I would have to spend some time with this. The chords are super simple. It's it can either be capoed or in standard E tuning. I was playing it in standard uh, e, e tuning. The chords are are very simple but it's the picking pattern that just makes this, this song magic. And mm. was when you said you sat down with this tune and you started picking uh, in, in accordance with that Red Hot Chili Peppers song, uh, was that the immediate thought like, okay, th- this pedaling, this, this, this picking finger picking has to be throughout? You know, again, the Chili Peppers song, uh, it doesn't sound anything like that. It was like a mistake on that, that I kind of yeah. came up with the Delilah thing. But honestly, I think the pedaling was just... It just sounded, you know, I'm all by ear. I don't know how to read music or anything like that. And as I said, not not super great of a guitar player. So I was just kind of doing that naturally. And it was like, oh, this sounds good. Like to my ear, it was like, wow, 
like I could kind of listen to this for three minutes. So as long as I just don't fuck it up with the lyric or something, I think this could be good, you know? Yeah. Um, it's so funny because really that's all music is, right? It's like if you can write something that, that holds someone's interest for three minutes and makes them, you know, feel good or feel something, you know, that's kind of the, the whole goal, you know? Um, so, yeah, just the music alone, it just felt nice and it felt unique and it felt uh, it felt good. So. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it is unique and it does feel good. And the song's closer to four minutes, but it doesn't feel like it. It's three minutes and 52 seconds. Doesn't feel like it. The first eight seconds of the song are just D major to F sharp minor. That happens twice. And uh, the nine second mark, we're into verse one. And. Hey there, Delilah, what's it like in New York City? I'm a thousand miles away, but girl, tonight you look so pretty. Yes, you do. Times Square can shine as bright as you. I swear it's true. Hey, Tom, I'm, I'm, I'm calling this verse one, but there's kind of a pre-chorus here, and I want to talk to you about that and get, get your thoughts on that. I'm calling it a verse and a pre-chorus. I'm going to read the whole thing. Hey there, Delilah. What's it like in New York City? I'm a thousand miles away, but girl, tonight you look so pretty. Yes, you do. Times Square can't shine as bright as you. I swear it's true. And on the yes, you do line, that's where I'm saying the pre-chorus. Because uh, every time that happens, the melody changes. Uh, so the argument can be made, this is a pre-chorus. The melody changes and the chords change here to B minor, G, A, B minor, back to A. So do you consider it all one verse or is that like the pre-chorus? So I consider it a verse, but... It is interesting because, right, you kind of get two lines with over the same chords and the same melody, yes. and then it goes somewhere else, which you would think is a would be going to a different section, but then it just comes right back to the to the D to for the you know for what I'm calling verse two again. Is that next part verse two or is that still verse one? You know, I don't know. I'm I'm calling that verse two. I'm saying you know verse verse one was up to that point where I'm calling the pre-chorus because it, it it really is a departure there and it almost right there could have went into a chorus. You know, dude, I've all of all the years I've never thought about that fact that the verse that yeah. it goes it goes somewhere. You know, it's not you look so pretty. Yes, you do. Times Square to me that just feels like it feels like one part. You know, of course, but. Yeah, that's an interesting, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's what made the song a hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, we've figured know, it out now. That's right. Like I said, I think the argument could be made that it, that it is a, a departure outside of the verse, but, but it's great. And again, set up these lyrics for us. This is uh, basically what you, what you were saying about Delilah, how, how, you, how you felt about her. And, and was she living in New York City? Is that what that uh, second line is in reference to? Yeah, so I met Delilah in Chicago. She's from Chicago. Okay. And, um... Literally, the, my, my, a friend of mine, Kim Berg, was like, I was going to a concert with her one night in, in December, uh, or maybe it was in, maybe it was beginning of January or something, because she was like, hey, is it okay if my friend Delilah comes? Because all, all of our other friends are like already back to school and she's got nothing going on. She goes back to school tomorrow. She's got nothing going on tonight. So I said, yeah, cool. And so we picked up her friend Delilah and I was like, oh my God, who is this girl? You know, but so the point is, is yeah, that very next day after, after I met her, she went back to school in New York. So she was home for Christmas break or something, you know, from college. 
Okay. So, so that's, yeah. So then she was back in New York and then we kept in touch a little bit. I'm assuming she knows the song was written about her or mm. not. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's great. Well, what I'm calling verse two, and it just goes from the, the, the verse one pre-chorus one, if you want, if you, if you will. Hey there, Delilah, don't you worry about the distance. I'm right there. If you get lonely, give this song another listen. Close your eyes. Listen to my voice. It's my disguise. I'm by your side. Lyric is, hey there, Delilah, don't you worry about the distance. I'm right there if you get lonely. Give this song another listen. Close your eyes. Listen to my voice. It's my disguise. I'm by your side. And those last three lines, close your eyes, listen to my voice, it's my disguise, I'm by your side. Again, the chords change much like the first time. I'm kind of calling that the, the, the pre-chorus, which uh, then leads leads into the chorus. So these lyrics here, Tom, uh, you're saying some some personal stuff. Don't you worry about the distance. I'm right there if you get lonely. Did You had feelings for her? Is that fair to say? Well, I mean, I'm just like a hopeless romantic. So I feel like any girl that I meet that I, you know... I'm kind of crushing on. I feel like I could write the most beautiful love story in, in my <laughs> mind. You know, it's like I'm in instantly. But yeah, in this case, the idea was that, you know, you're far away. We cannot be together physically. So I'm going to write this song for you so that I'm with you whenever you need me kind of a thing. You know, that was kind of the the idea. So basically, to be honest with you, that very first verse uh, you know, what's it like in New York City? Tonight you look so pretty. That was really the only real like, okay, this is for Delilah. And uh -huh. kind of all of the, I, I, I do say in, towards the end of the song, two more years, you'll be done with school. So I do reference that again towards the end, but like the actual girl, you know, but like everything else, all the other details are more almost about like me and my life, right? Like I'm going to pay the bills with this guitar. I'll, every simple song I wrote to you, like, you know, it's like all more about where I was in life than about the girl. Hey, everybody, don't you dare go anywhere. There's lots more Chris to make a podcast after these messages from our sponsors. Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with the Spotify Canvas Generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. 
Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out weknowpodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, weknowpodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. And now, back to the show. Before we go any further, I wanted to bring this up. You know, I wrote down that the verses in this song are, are, are like choruses in their own right. Well, it's interesting because the name of the song starts yes. every verse. It's not the chorus; it's the verse. Yeah, which leads me into what you what you said a moment ago about the chorus. You're like, well, what the hell am I going to say? Here you have this whole story, and there is so much information. It's such a great story. You can you can latch onto the lyric; it hits you. The chorus in this song, to me, is what truly makes this all come together because it's a simple lyric. Oh, it's what you do to me. Oh. What you do to me? Oh, what you do to me? Oh, what you do to me? Oh, what you do to me? What you do to me? Who can't understand that and get that? Who hasn't <laughs> felt that? You tapped into that that perfect lyric there. The story's all built around that. And uh, at 46 seconds, we're into this chorus. Oh, it's what you do to me. And that line happens four times. The chord progression here changes from D to just B minor. Two simple chords, but it is that pedaling, picking that just keeps this song moving. It's a slow song, but it feels faster than it is. It, it, it's, it's awesome. Hey, fun story real quick about that chorus. Yeah. So I, I mentioned that that whole first verse which I considered the the first and second verse, you know, by your, by your means, right. That whole first two verse sections through the chorus is what came out of me, you know, instantly. Right. But, Oh, it's what you do to me. Completely throw away. I was like, I'll write, I'll write a real line for that later. <laughs> it was like, just, just fluff in my mind yeah. it was like you know oh what you do it was, it was just it was nothing i call those i call those placeholders that end up exactly end up, that's, end that's up, exactly end up being what it was. end up being that you can't beat the placeholder you can't beat that lyric well luckily i didn't even really try after you know after living with it for a second it was kind of like no i think i like that you know but but right when i first wrote it it was just like i didn't like it it was just like it was just there and i'm gonna i'll i'll you know, I'll write the real lyric later, but obviously, thankfully I didn't, I didn't touch it. So yeah, as you, said, you, you, you didn't F it up. You did, you did <laughs> right. 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 You did right. And, and forgive me for saying, but I, I don't think you could have, I could be wrong here, but I don't think you could have injected much more imagery or information into this chorus after all the verses and, and, and the, and the, and especially where the bridge goes, there's so much information that bridge that the chorus has had to be, uh, you know, a little more simple here. Um, uh, Oh, it's what you do to me happens four times. The last line in chorus one is what you do to me. And then it comes right back out of that. So that was just a little 
little clever turnaround to get yes. to just a musical thing to take you out of the four, you know, just the everything's so even. And then you kind of have this little extra bar just to like, just to make sure you're listening, you know, right. Just to and pull your ear a little bit up to this point in the song from the original demo, no lyrics have changed. Not, no, I mean, no lyrics change, no lyric change at all from the demo. Except it was just that last, last line of the bridge hadn't been written yet. That was it. Wow. So the, the demo was exactly the same lyrics. Yeah. Uh, Ariel or, or, or Lauren, nobody had any, because I know <laughs> Lauren was a big lyric guy. Like, I don't know. This line could be a little better. Did anybody have uh, any suggestions or, or was it, this was, this was what it was? No, everybody. Uh, yeah. I mean, luckily, yeah. Lauren, Lauren, um, you know, he put me through his, his Lauren Israel 101 songwriting 101. <laughs> so I was, pr- I feel like I was pretty on point with the lyrics, you know, for him. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, what I'm calling. I will tell th- you, hang on. Do you, do you know oh, Doug yes. Messenger at all? Do you, did you ever meet why, that guy? Why do I know that name? He used to, he played guitar with uh, Van Morrison and he was one of Lauren's buddies in LA. And we actually, he owns, he owned at the time Hard Drive Studios, which is where we made this record and which is where Jimmy World made Bleed American. Okay. And so we got in with Doug, you know, got a, he gave us a good deal for a studio, but he actually had said, man, if the, if you locked those, the lyrics in a little bit tighter, like line by line, this could really be a, this could really be a hit. <laughs> and of course I didn't change shit, but it's funny yeah. that he had a little bit of an opinion and I was thinking, Hey there, Delano, what's it like? Hey there, don't you worry about the, you know, what's it like in New York? Don't you worry about the, you know, there's some slight little discrepancies, I think, is what he was pointing out, you know, just rhythmically, uh, the scan of the, of each verse was slight, there were slight variations, but I think it, I'm pretty sure, obviously it, it locked in enough for people to get it. I think that's what takes this song away from being a cookie cutter pop song to being what I'm calling folky. You know, you listen mm-hmm. to all the great singers that you consider, you know, Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan, uh, they, they <laughs> there, there's nothing the same that's really going on. And, sure. and I feel, I, I feel that in this track. I, I, I feel that it's real. I, 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 I've said this a lot. I feel the lyrics are honest and I believe you. I believe you when I'm hearing this song. Like, ah, this is believable. This wasn't just some uh, imagined pop song by a record label. You know, I, right. at, least, at least at least that's what it feels like to me. Uh, verse three and verse four. Hey there, Delilah. I know times are getting hard, but just believe me, girl. Someday I'll pay the bills with this guitar. We'll have it good. We'll have the life we knew we would. My word is good. There, Delilah, I've got so much left to say If every simple song I wrote to you Would take your breath away, I'd write it all Even more in love with me, you'd fall We'd have it all They're interjected with pre-chorus three and four, but we're just going to call them verses. Yeah, I don't believe, I don't buy your pre-chorus theory, but I'll I'll let you have it. You know what? We're going to, no, you're not going to let me have it. It's your song. This is verse three and verse four is no pre-chorus, but the verses, the verses do change with, with the chords there, but uh, uh, we're, we're back to the verse uh, progression here, which is uh, the D major to F uh, sharp minor. Hey there, Delilah. I know times are getting hard, but just believe me, girl. 
Someday I'll pay the bills with this guitar. We'll have it good. We'll have the life we knew we could. My word is good. Hey there, Delilah. I've got so much left to say. If every simple song I wrote to you would take your breath away, I'd write it all. Even more in love with me, you'd fall. We'd have it all. And, you know, you're talking about someday I'll pay the bills of this guitar. It's almost self-deprecating, but uh, also uh, you're sure of yourself. Well, again, that's where I was at the time. It was like, we're in this band, we're touring, we're making, you know, 10 bucks a day and per diems. That's all we're making. <laughs> and, but like, yeah. How many, we're, how many times a day can you eat Taco Bell? Yeah, oh, dude, Taco Bell was my favorite. So, <laughs> um, but you know, it's like, that was just the real situation right there. But like, of course, you know, I'm an optimist, you know, sometimes to a fault, I think, but you know, and I just, I just never doubted, you know, myself or the band for a second. So it was like, you know, just kind of one of those, like, you know, yeah, we might have to struggle now, but I swear someday I'm going to make it, you know? Yeah. That, that lyric, uh, really sticks out to me. There's something, uh, humbling about that line. Again, that real, that realism that I'm talking about with this song. And as a musician, I could totally relate to that line. So, you know what? I believe in myself, damn it. Someday this guitar is going to pay off, you know, all exactly. this, uh, you know, but Taco Bell three times a day on $10 <laughs> and may, may, maybe grandpa will like my song someday. I love that you uh, said, by the way, uh, that because you're a musician, you relate. There was also something about this song that I knew, like I said, I was really proud of it. I knew it was good. But I thought it was so specific in a lot of these, you know, little details, Delilah, New York City, pay the bills with this guitar, you'll be done with school. You know, there were so many of these details that I thought that no one would relate because it was so specific, you know? But interesting. Obviously, I was wrong about that one too. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe you need to be wrong about more of your songs, Tom. I, I know I'm, exactly. I'm, <laughs> I'm seeing. I'm seeing. I'm seeing a pattern here. Uh, on what I'm calling verse four, the the second half of verse three, I love the line. Even more in love with me, you'd fall. The melody changes on that line. It's killer. Even more in love with me, you'd fall. We'd have it all. It's it's subtle, but it changes there. And it and at that point in the song, not that it's you know getting old hat by that point, but I, I think you needed something there. Again, was that? Do you remember if that was on the original demo? Demo, or did you it happen in the studio? Uh yeah, that was original. I love that how that how that melody changes there. It's great. Yeah, honestly, I think even more in love with me, you'd fall. Even more in love with me, you'd fall. Yeah, I don't know that that. I think that was just an instinctual thing. I don't think that was purpose. I just think probably like you're saying at that point you'd already heard that melody three times, so it just needed to change slightly. I think yeah. Yeah, and I, I can't tell you the last time. I broke down a song with this many verses, but the verses tell the whole story. That's that's where it's at. The choruses aren't saying much, but they say everything. <laughs> if that makes sense, the choruses sure. say the choruses to me say as as much or more than the verses, but but not outwardly, you know. Sure. Well, I think the chorus, you know, to to go back to what I just said about it relating not or not relating, I think the chorus is what allows you to relate, no matter who you are. You know, yeah. it's like, I'm telling my story, my story, my details, but, oh, it's what you do to me. Everybody knows that. Everybody feels that. Everybody has that girl or that crush or that desire, that hope, whatever that is. 
that's the part that really allows you know the audience to to be involved i think yeah the lyrics great and chorus too oh it's what you do to me Four times in a row. Oh, it's what you do to me. And the turnaround isn't here on this chorus. The last line, what you do to me, isn't here, uh, which is really cool because it's such a great setup when it lifts on that G chord and now we're in the bridge. And this is a pretty long bridge. <laughs> so much information here, but not long in a bad way where it gets it gets arduous. It's perfect. A thousand miles seems pretty far, but they've got planes and trains and cars and walk to you. If I had no other way Our friends would all make fun of us And we'll just laugh along Because we know that none of them have felt this way Till I can promise you That by the time we get through The world will never ever be the same And you're to blame A thousand miles seems pretty far but they've got planes and trains and cars. I'd walk to you if I had no other way. Our friends would all make fun of us. And we'll just laugh along because we know that none of them have felt this way. Delilah, I can promise you that by the time we get through, the world will never, ever be the same. And you're to blame. I mean, wow. Pretty pretty poetic here. I mean, who hasn't felt this? You know, our friends would all make fun of us, but we're going to have the last laugh because none of them have felt this way. This is something special the way we feel here. Mm -hmm. The way you were able to put that into words is great. Yeah, that's one of my favorite lines, I think, in the song because that is uh, the tiny, I think the tiny details, you know, it's like you watch a movie and there can be all these big explosions and there can be so much going on, but it's like the way the girl looks at the guy in that one moment that really makes you feel or that you really connect to. And I feel like that line in particular is kind of that moment where it's like, yeah, everybody's going to think we're crazy. Everybody's going to think, but like, we'll just laugh along because we know because they don't feel like we do. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I always thought that line, was uh, was pretty cool. That's a great example you just gave because usually when that happens, when when the the female or male lead in the movie will give the person the look, that's about three quarters through the movie. Now you got a quarter to wrap up their love story. Well, the the bridge here is three quarters into this song, and right. I think that's the, <laughs> that's the perfect part to 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 have these uh, th- th- that lyric there. I think it's great. I love the the second to last line. The world will never ever be the same. It switches to the B minor there, and the melody goes up here, and it really. really really lifts the bridge and on that last line and you're to blame where now the melody instead of really soaring and lifting the melody kind of dips down yeah i i'm a sucker for minor chords i'm a big mm-hmm. uh you know i always try to i don't know use them well i guess because they, they i feel like i'm always kind of uh i feel an impact from them in songs you know so yeah that's kind of a move in that one where i'm going g to the A and then I'll hit the D first and then come to that B minor. So I use the B minor as the fourth chord for the first two lines of that bridge. But then right, as it's really ramping up that third line, I just go straight to that B minor for the third chord, which is a little bit unexpected because you've heard it the same, a different way two times. 
and the melody just kind of comes rises up to meet it to hit that you know that moment so yeah that's just like a nerdy songwriter move because i just i love exploiting the the minor chords for sure it's great but but two things really stuck out to me with this part so was there ever talk of going to the chorus here and not going back to what is the fifth verse no no it went back to the verse okay and the reason i asked that the reason i ask I think that the melody, the way you go down there on, on blame, you go to the lower notes, I think it lends itself to going to the verse. I think if you would have went up there, you might have went to a chorus. But you know, hearing this for the first time as a listener, you, you might go, okay, we're going to get hit with the chorus again here. Nope, you're going to verse five. Hey there, Delilah, you be good and don't you miss me two more years and you'll be done with school and I'll be making history like I do. It's all because of you We can do whatever we want to Hey there Delilah, here's to you This one's for you Hey there Delilah, you be good and don't you miss me Two more years and you'll be done with school And I'll be making history like I do I love that line. Uh, you know it's all because of you. We can do whatever we want to. Hey there, Delilah, here's to you. This one's for you. The back half of this, which I was uh, erroneously calling the pre-chorus earlier in the song, the back <laughs> half here, the progression changes here. The end phrases now go to G instead of the A chord, but the last chord resolves to that A, and there's a nice little holdout here before chorus three. There's just that little bit of tension that's really, really cool. Yeah, uh, again... It was just all kind of instinctual. Let's talk about the lyric first of all. I'll be making history like I do. Complete bullshit, because at that point I was not making any history, you know. <laughs> but again, it's I, that, I, I, I'm glad I want to talk about that line. So where, where did that come from? It's that hopefulness. It's that like that someday I'll pay the bills with this guitar. It's like, listen, I believe in myself. And I know you believe in me and together. And, and again, with th- these lyrics, I, I think uh, one of the other things that really makes the song resonate is that I am taking none of the credit for my own success. It's all her. It's, it's her inspiration. It's her. It's what she did to me. That's making this song come out. That's making me sing about this. You know, you'll know I'll, I'll make history, but it's all because of you. You know, that's a like really, I, I think that, that's a really nice little detail that might go over over has gone maybe over even my head. But hearing you hearing you read it, it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, like I said, not taking really the credit here because I'm, I'm giving it all to to her because her love is what inspired it all and, and made it all happen, I guess. That's a great point. I, I wouldn't have thought of that. I'm glad you brought that up. That that that's that's really cool. Oh, and by the way, one more thing, one more nerdy songwriter yeah. thing. Had to throw the name Delilah in there one more time. Hey there, Delilah. It's uh, here's to you, right? Because you've already heard it starting every verse. But as a you know, Lauren Israel songwriter 101, let's try to get that title in there one more time just to freaking drive it home. So that last. Hey there, Delilah, here's to you. This one's for you. Uh, you know, getting it in there one more time. And it, it does drive it home because you're really addressing her. You've addressed her throughout every other verse, but you're really uh, addressing it from a, from a personal standpoint. Oh, so what you do to me? 
Chorus 3, four times, oh, it's what you do to me. But much like Chorus 1, we get the other line, what you do to me, that happens here. The same chord progression, D to B minor, uh, is happening now with the whoa o's at the end. And the melody line is loosely mimicking the melody lines uh, of, of the rest of the chorus. Uh, and the song then ends uh, on a D chord. The whoa o's at the end. You said the demo was pretty much what it was. I'm assuming the, wo- the woes were there. And was there ever talk from, from Ariel, Lauren, anybody that said, I don't know, there should be lyrics here or, or let's stick with the woes? No, never. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was written like that, demoed like that. Um, I don't know why I thought to do that. I guess I just felt like, you know, maybe there sh- we just resolved everything here with that last verse and the, hey, there, Delilah, here's to you. And then the chorus, I just felt like just wrapping it up would be too soon. And just another copy and paste of a chorus would be too much, you know, that, that would get boring. So yeah, let's just, like you said, it kind of resembles, you know, it starts out with a little bit of that melody of the chorus, but then just kind of goes off and just kind of floats around for a minute and then it ends. Yeah. What I think is great about it is, is, is you get a, kind of a double chorus at the end but you're not hearing oh it's what you do to me another four times I exactly think it would be o- i think it would be overkill and it's kind of like you're sitting around the campfire doing doing some woes together at, at the end albeit it's just it's just your your one uh one vocal your one voice in, in wrapping up here tom you know you, you said when you got the 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 track uh comp back and you were listening to it it's like wow you know got, got a little teared up that this is great uh, then, then you were starting to get friends of yours that weren't uh, really musically uh, inclined starting to tell you, you know, I, I think there's something here. When did you have your oh crap moment? You're like, man, this is happening. This I have a hit single here. So you know what's funny? So we put the we we put the song out. We made the video for it, like I was saying, and we added the strings and everything like that. And, and the song was like really bubbling up. Like we went and toured with uh, Hello Goodbye in the UK our first time ever over in the UK, we didn't even have our music available yet over there because Fearless was still a really small label back then. Sure. But we would like play our set. It would be super fun. And then we play Hey There Delilah towards the end and the whole crowd would be singing along. And we're like, how the fuck do you know this song? It's not, you know, just from like MySpace or the internet or people sharing it or whatever, it was getting, it was spreading on its own. Which, you know, that's magical when something like that happens. It was going, you know, viral before that was even a thing, I guess, you know? And so uh, that was kind of like the hint of like, oh, maybe, you know, this song has some legs or something. But fun story. So you mentioned it was was on our Hollywood Records debut. So we went, we sold a bunch of records on Fearless. And then we got upstreamed to a major label, Hollywood Records, for our next album. And the funny thing is, is we actually recorded and put out that album, Every Second Counts, without Hey There Delilah, because that was just like the song off the last album, you know? And we we had our single Hate. Hate is a strong word, but I really, really, really don't like you. That was the first single, our first major label single. And that did really well on alternative radio. It was climbing the charts. We played in L.A., the head of the label at the time, which was this guy, Bob Cavallo, who is just a, such a badass. He managed Prince. And yeah, that's, that's Rob Cavallo's father. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Legendary. So super badass. He came to see us. You know, we play hate. Everybody's 
freaking going off. He's all s- sitting in the back, all proud, like, yeah. And then we play Hey There, Delilah. And the whole crowd is singing. And he's looking at our A&R guy. He's like, what the hell song is this? Do we have this? This not on the record, you know? And so they got, they ended up getting the rights from Fearless to re-release the song. Thanks to just like, again, a random Bob Cavallo, you know, proving again, his legendary status, saw the song, saw the crowd's reaction to it. And, uh, you know, asked us, you know, if we wanted to basically put it out again on the strip it onto the the album and and that to be the next single. And of course, as the brilliant uh, band guys, we are, we said, no, that song's already out. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's old hat. We don't want to put that on our new record. Exactly. How dare you suggest that? Luckily, (laughs) unlike some of our friends' bands that we've seen make stupid decisions in the industry, we came to our senses within a few hours and said, well, you know, everyone seems to like the song that hears it. So maybe we should like allow a million people, maybe if a million people hear it, a million people will like it or whatever, you know, so we... We came to our senses pretty quick on that decision, and that's awesome. Obviously, you know, here we are. So yeah. Well, uh, thankfully, clear heads prevailed. <laughs> I want to, I want to thank you, Tom, for for sitting in. Uh, what a great story! I had I had no idea where you were going to go with this today. Uh, didn't know if it was just made up, some words that you had found in a journal, decided to turn into song. Uh, what a amazing song that. 15 years now after the fact that you you wrote and recorded it uh it, it's still pro- propelling and and uh uh putting the wind in the sail of your career congratulations thank you one other stupid fact here uh or fun fact i should say i did a, an interview recently with somebody uh in italy for this italian i don't know some some they're actually talking about, did you see that Matches documentary at all, Bleeding Audio? Did you hear about that? So, yeah, we, we just had Sean on uh, just a, a two weeks before before your uh, episode here. So that is, nice. uh, that, 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 that's cool. I have not seen that documentary, but Chris, my producer, has seen it. He said, says it's amazing. It's pretty awesome. Like, I, did, I interviewed for it forever ago, and I kind of had forgotten about it, you know, because Chelsea, the director, was, it real, she really took her time with it and had to find all the support and all the, you know, the backers and everything to just, you know, get it to this point. Um, but yeah, it turned out amazing. But long story short, I did a, an interview with this Italian magazine about, about the movie because I have a little part in it or whatever. And of course she asked me about, Hey there, Delilah. But this is the fact that I thought was so amazing. She said, you know, telling me her story that the first time she heard it, she cried. It made her cry. She loved it so much. But she said that she didn't speak English. So just hearing the song and not understanding a goddamn word still hit her. And to me, all these years, I always really held much of the song's success to those lyrics. Like we just talked about, you know, breaking down all those lyrics and everything. So it was a really interesting, uh, you know, I had never had that thought once in my life that like, oh, maybe like even without the lyrics, it was still a great song. It was still, it still was an impactful song, even if you didn't even understand it, which, which to me kind of blew, blew my mind again, after all these years, 
it was like, holy shit, man, that's, that's incredible. You know, I never really thought about that. So that's awesome. Thank, yeah. thank you for, sh- thank you for sharing that because there is something haunting about this vocal and, and, uh, the melody, uh, and, and the guitar chords There's something haunting. If you don't even, uh, know what, what you're saying, I think the lyrics just, uh, uh, tie it all together for sure. But, but that's a really, that's a really cool story. Yeah, use it or not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know no, definitely going to use it. It's, it, 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 it's great. Uh, at this point, is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with, with what's coming up with Plain White Tees yourself? Uh, anything you'd like to talk about? I mean, yeah, everybody should should check out my... I've got a solo project that I launched during the pandemic. I'm doing like an, a very synthy 80s vibe thing, but with the, you know, the honesty that I have, I think in my song, I can't help but like have that honesty in my songwriting. But yeah, it's called Million Miler, and I just put out a song called What the Fuck Happened to 2021. so very relatable uh as well uh so everybody go check that out and yeah i started up a record label so i feel like you know that's something that people should check out and, and look into i'm helping produce and develop you know much inspired by people like lauren israel and and you know that kind of discovered us and developed us when we were young uh just trying to pass that forward and you know find new artists and help produce stuff and and put their stuff out so that's called humans were here so i would say yeah check out million miler humans were here and yeah and like i said plain white tees we're about to go record some new stuff in nashville next week so new stuff coming next year from the tees as well awesome tom well man again thanks for sitting in and congratulations on all your success and continued success Thank you, man. Yeah, this was really fun. Thanks for, I, I love hearing you read the lyrics. It was like, I, I could <laughs> kind of hear them in a different way, you know, just kind of sitting back and listening. That was really cool. Hey, everybody, don't touch that dial. There's plenty more Chris to make a podcast after a few words from our sponsors. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply each week on the one hit thunder podcast We welcome a special guest to come take a deep dive into a one-hit wonder artist with us. And together, we decide if that artist brought the one-hit thunder or was nothing more than a one-hit blunder. You can find one-hit thunder anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So hit that subscribe button and join in on the fun each week. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's band you might not know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your song via MP3 only and bio to band you might not know at gmail.com. 
This week's featured artist is Title Holder, which is the brainchild of New York City-based singer-songwriter Matt Sullivan. I had the dubious honor of co-producing and arranging the track we're about to hear, and Buddy Schaub from Less Than Jake lended his trombone skills. The band's debut live performance is January 1st at Amityville Music Hall in Long Island. You can find Title Holder online at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Here's a snippet of their song, Signs. If the last ten years hadn't happened now I would still be in this same old town It's not unknown to break out from where you came And Chris. Well, I feel like my mind was like bending that episode, Chris, and I'm going to tell you why. This song feels like the most self-fulfilling prophecy ever. There's so many things about this song. First thing I want to ask, which I wish, I kind of wish you would ask Tom this, but had he not met Delilah, who is not even somebody that he dated, just someone that he met and thought was pretty great. Had he not met her, would he have still written this song <laughs> that's a great question and i wish i would have asked him that yeah i hadn't didn't even cross my mind yeah you you wonder would would this have been something else and it just would have been the ninth track on the album and bob cavallo would have never heard it uh, out in la at the show and the audience wouldn't have been singing to it because it, it truly is all about the lyric and at the same time uh this song made an italian girl uh uh, come to tears and she didn't know the lyrics so I don't know the answer to that question right would it have just been the same music same melodies maybe a different name would it have still been a hit without that name it's a very unique name you don't meet a lot of people named Delilah other than the famous radio host who plays uh you know light music and takes requests <laughs> uh that's the only Delilah I've really ever known of and would it have worked if it was hey I don't know Jennifer or something, you know, would it have worked if it was another name? That's a, that's a great point, and, and, and we will never know. We will never know. I, 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 again, I wish I would have asked him. Great, uh, great thought there. I mean, it, it goes further as far as my mind starting to bend. He has these lyrics in the song that you guys talked about, such as, someday I'll pay the bills with this guitar. And then he is actually paying the bills with the guitar <laughs> from this actual song because Chris, you and I both knew and liked Plain White Tees, you know, in a way peers of ours, uh, you know, probably around the same age, playing in the same scene and stuff. Yeah, they were living the, the band life, like he said, eating Taco Bell, uh, yeah. you know, living off 10 bucks a day or whatever. They didn't have a hit song. So... Then a song where he's writing about, I'm going to pay the bills with this guitar, I'm going to be successful one day, is the song that becomes successful and pays his bills. Yeah. How crazy is that? It, it, it is crazy. And it, it, thinking about it from that standpoint it, it is unreal because the lyric is, like I said, it's kind of self-deprecating, uh, it, almost kind of like a... 
does he really mean this? But but there's a tongue in cheek uh, uh, kind of kindness to it that, that that makes you wonder. And yeah, he uh, he did end up paying the bills with it. That's it, a great great uh, great turnaround. Yeah, and you know that last story that Tom told about you know a girl in Italy who didn't speak English hearing the song and just the music brought her to tears without even knowing what the lyrics are shows you really how powerful this song is melodically mm-hmm. and, and musically and it's it's not all tied to the lyrics we're we're tied into the lyrics because there's a lot of them there's a lot going on in this song it's a storytelling song is what I, what I think I would call this for sure. sure it's not very it's not very abstract you kind of know what's going on here I didn't really I wasn't really puzzled about what any of these lyrics meant uh, but it it was really cool to hear that because that does make sense. It is a very yeah. a beautiful melody. And I wasn't puzzled by the lyrics either. I, I was more uh, puzzled by by the story behind them when he started telling it. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, this means so much more than I kind of just thought thought on paper uh, of what it meant. And this song's timeless. This song, you're going to hear this song in 30 years from now. It's not going to sound dated, uh, and 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 it can't because it. I believe it. I believe the song, as I said in the episode, is so honest that it's just a vocal and a guitar. He hit all the perfect points in the song: the chorus, the, the the all the imagery and and everything that's going on in the verses. I I think the song's timeless. And that chorus, once again, how many times are we going to talk about this on the show? But it was what was supposed to be a placeholder lyric. And I could see why he feels that because it's it's very simple. Oh, what you do to me. It's it's so simple. It's so simple that you're like, oh, no, I'm going to come up with something better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Then you realize like, oh, wait a second. Everyone can relate to that, even though the verses are so specific that maybe you can't relate to the specificity of them, but this chorus just brings it all home for everybody. Yeah, I think if you would have hit him with more uh, imagery and, and specificity, that's a hard word to say, uh, in, the, <laughs> yeah. in, the cor- in the choruses, that uh, it might have been information overload. I think it had to be, I, I, I'm careful when I use this term, but I, I think it had to be dumbed down. I think it had to be a little a little more simple uh, because there's there is so much going on within the rest of the lyrics, uh, the verses, and especially the bridge. I had a whoa kind of moment during this thing, and I had to I had to text my bandmate Steve because the guy who played the strings on the on you know on the strings version there are uh, there is just the acoustic version there's the strings version but his name is Eric Remschneider yes he is known for playing on Smashing Pumpkins yes Sean O'Keefe brought him in a lot and. Um, with Punchline, we recorded the album Action with Sean O'Keefe, and he played on our album. He played on a couple of the songs on Punchline's Action album. I never knew that that was him on Hey There, Delilah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, you want to talk about things coming full circle. I mean, there, there's there been so many things that uh, in, in this episode, down to Lauren Israel, RL from the Hippos, everybody involved, Sean O'Keefe. Yeah. Uh, a lot, lot, lot of parallels uh, going on here. <laughs> Dude, I, I wrote this down in my notes. I, I, I should have brought this up two minutes ago or something, but I thought this was really funny. I was thinking to myself, have there ever been any other songs that were such self-fulfilling prophecies as this one? And I, <laughs> the only thing that popped into my head, which I thought was really funny, I was like, well, wait a second. What about that song, I Want to Be Rich by Calloway? <laughs> like, you remember that song? I Oh, 
that song, they probably weren't rich, and then they probably had that hit song, and then they were rich from a song called "I Want to Be Rich," right? Yeah, and and there, there's probably more. I think uh, I, I think yeah. a, I think a lot of rappers could be guilty of that. They got all this stuff when they when they didn't you know didn't have a dime in their pocket, but then the, the song became a hit, and now they do have all that stuff. <laughs> right, right, right. So. Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe Tom's on to something here. Maybe we, we gotta follow his lead. I, I would I, I would I would agree. And and I you know, as we were wrapping up, I, I had told him that uh, you know, not many songwriters get uh, get one hit in their life and, and, and he's got one. And this song has uh, propelled their career fifteen years after the fact that the song was written and recorded and released, uh, and they're still going strong. Yeah, man, and I do think that plain white tees might fall under that, as you know, Chris, and it's funny that we did an episode on One Hit Thunder about Rick Springfield. But Rick Springfield is by no means a one-hit wonder. He had a lot of hits. Oh, yeah. But but Play My Tees also had a bunch of hits. And But this this one just soars so high above and is so, so memorable. Just like he said, everyone around the world knows, hey there, Delilah. It's kind of Rick Springfield had the same deal. It was like everyone remembers Jesse's Girl. Maybe something about having somebody's name in the title of a song that takes it to that extra level. I don't know. I think you may be onto something. And hey, Chris, we're onto something too, actually. We are. What's that, Chris? We're onto a new year. We are. 2022. Where where did the last year go? Uh, I don't know, but we did a lot of podcasts this year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I feel like we've, we've come a long way. Now we're 84 episodes or 83 or 84 episodes into our podcast and it's crazy to think Chris that this podcast kind of started uh kind of pulling back the curtain here it kind of started as a way for you to put out into the world that you do custom songs and things it became a lot more than that we then we became really focused on the podcast itself but you're still doing custom songs which is awesome but uh yeah it's crazy how far this has come no it's been it's been amazing and the the outpouring from all the listeners it's just it's fantastic it was it, this, this this podcast has been beyond my wildest dreams i think i could speak for you too chris and yes i'm still doing custom songs if you'd like one for you a friend a loved one uh please hit me up uh, it's great for any occasion valentine's day is right around the corner if you like your very own custom song email me chris at gmail.com for info and please Join our Facebook group, Chris Makes a Podcast Facebook group, with almost 4,000 active members. It's a lot of fun. And please give me a follow on Instagram at Less Than Chris D. I really appreciate it. Want to thank this week's guest, Tom Higginson from the Plain White Tees, for sitting in with us. And we'll see you next week. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist 
Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!